last week I talked about what you see. The subject was what you see, and it was the Adam and the Christ, and we're going to continue that today because there's more that I want to add into that. So this is going to be a continuation of what we had talked about last week, and miracles happened last week. Some of those you might be aware of, some of those you might not be aware of, but I can tell you that last week was a transitional moment for this house, for the people of this house that positioned themselves correctly within the word. It was opportunity for forgiveness, for healing, for deliverance, for miracles in your life. It was opportunity, and how we receive that was up to each of us individually. We're going to continue that today, and we're going to, I'm going to speak to that this morning, and then in a moment, I'm going to have Jenny Kerner come, and she's going to share something with you on the white, uh, actually, we have it up there, but I need my whiteboard too. I don't know where that is, but I'm going to need that. But uh, Jenny is going to come in a few moments, and she's going to share something with you that uh, Holy Spirit uh, gave her some uh, focus on a particular place that I spoke on last week. She shared it with us at intercession on Wednesday morning, and uh, and I knew as soon as she shared it, I knew that it was important uh, for you to see this today and for her, her to share that with you. But before we get there, I want to say to you a couple of things. One, everybody say this with me. The kingdom of God, kingdom of God is, practical. is practical. Let me say something to you. Uh, Nowhere in scripture will you find anything referring to the gospel of religion. Not even one time. There is no such thing as the gospel of religion. Not once. But every time it's the gospel of Christ or the gospel of the kingdom and they are the same. The gospel of Christ or the gospel of the kingdom. They are the same. There's a reason there's no reference to the gospel of religion because religion produces death. It always has and it always will. I'm going to help you understand that today. Because everything about the kingdom of God is, everybody say practical. practical. It is practical. What I'm going to help you learn today and understand today, my heart is that you will get it in such a way, it's so practical that it makes sense to you. And I shared something at intercession on Wednesday morning as well, a couple of things, and I'll diagram one of those in a moment but this part was different and and I said practical is the low-hanging fruit that we skip over that the father intended to be easy so many times especially in the church world we try to be so deep so high so spiritual so whatever that we pass over the easy low-hanging fruit that the father gave us and said before you can eat that other stuff you're gonna you really need to lay hold of this and in the quest of man, because Adam, every Adam wants to be smarter than the Adam beside him. That's the difference between religion and the kingdom. Every Adam wants to be smarter than the Adam sitting beside him or her. But every Christ wants to be united in one mind and one spirit with the one sitting beside them. They want to learn, they want to grow. The Adam anointing, the Adam, it's not an anointing, it's a spirit. The Adam spirit wants to one-up, wants to be the smartest person in the room. The Adam spirit wants to be the wealthiest person in the room. The Adam spirit wants to be the funniest person in the room. The Adam spirit has all of these things that have no eternal value, but only 
present value. And I can tell you the Christ anointing is exactly the opposite of that. The Christ anointing is looking for ways, how do we get from here to there? And it's never, see Adam is, how do I get from here to there? The Christ anointing is, how do we get from this place to that place? The Christ anointing is all about the body, not this body, but the body. The Adam spirit is about this body, not the body. The Adam spirit is very concerned with itself. I've said this for years. I said this, uh, I've said this numerous times. I taught a message on it one time, but I said this. I said, no one will ever fall off a cliff alone because Adam enjoys the company of others, and the only reason Adam wants to drag somebody off a cliff if they're falling, the Adam spirit would be to reach out and grab the closest person beside them, and they will go off the cliff to their death, but they're going to take someone with them so that on the way down they can say, it's your fault, somehow you pushed me. Because Adam never accepts responsibility. Adam never accepts responsibility, but is always looking to grab somebody. They never go off the cliff alone. But the Christ anointing, first of all, they're not going off a cliff. They're going to walk on water. They're going to defy logic. When I say walk on water, that's what I'm talking about. They're going to defy common sense because it isn't that common. They're going to defy what is expected, and they're going to do the supernatural or the super expected. The unexpected. They're going to be like John 3, 8 says, those who are led by the Spirit are like the wind. You do not know from where they're coming. You do not know where they're going. They're like the wind. They're unpredictable. That's the Spirit of Christ. So, but the kingdom of God is so incredibly practical that when we move through the kingdom of God with a mind of Christ and with the Spirit of Christ, it's just not difficult, Nick. It's just not difficult to get from here to there when we go together because when we go together, the Spirit of Christ in me will join the Spirit of Christ in you and together we get somewhere. It isn't up to me alone to figure out how to get from this place to that place. The Rock of Central Florida, if there's ever been a day when it got from this place to that place and it was because of me, I'm repenting of that. Because we have never gotten, arrived anywhere from somewhere else that we did because of Steve Parker. We got there because we joined our Christ anointing together. And we had faith together. And we believed together. And we took steps together. I might have been the word that triggered that faith in you. But you had to choose. And it doesn't matter. I can talk all day long, but we have to move. See, Adam doesn't do that. Adam doesn't do that. But the kingdom of God is practical, and the, it's the low-hanging fruit that the Father has made so easy for us. And we're always, we, in fact, there's, there's cliches about the low-hanging fruit. You know, they, they kind of make it sound like it's a bad thing, that they're not, people aren't very wise when they, all they do is get the low-hanging fruit, or they're the low-hanging fruit, or the easiest ones to get to. That's the kingdom. It was never meant to be difficult. It was never meant, you never needed to go to Bible college to understand the kingdom of God. Bible college wasn't Christ's idea. 
It was man's idea. You'd be better off getting a degree in business and then letting Holy Spirit teach you about the kingdom. Be an attorney. Be a doctor. Be a, be a CEO. Be a business owner. I'm working on an invention right now. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But when I get the opportunity to, you're going to gasp. But I'm working on an invention. But I'm working on an invention right now. I'm not working on the invention. I've invented it. I'm working on completing it. And it's a simple thing. And when, you, when I tell you what it is, you're going to think, what? How is that possible? But why am I saying that? Because when people, it's going to be like that, that, that is so, I had, let me just say this. Let's, let, me, let me back up. Before this invention, I got to be careful. I got to watch my time. But before this invention, some 10 or 12 years ago, Holy Spirit put something in my heart about a particular kind of website to develop. And I created a business, paid the fees, created the website, created all of it, put it all together. There was nothing like it, nowhere, nothing like it. Did all the research that we needed to do. But because of the area that that website addressed, it could be embarrassing for some, which is exactly why I created the website. And my wife said, honey, you cannot, you can't, you just can't do it. And I said, I'm telling you, it will work. And my wife said, honey, you cannot do that. Anyway, long story short, she let me. She said, go ahead, you do what you want to do. But I didn't. I didn't follow it through. And I owned the business until a year, about, a, about maybe two years ago, before I dissolved it. And didn't do it. And then it wasn't long after I dissolved it, my wife and I are sitting there watching television one day. And up comes this company. New idea. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's blah, 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 blah. And they're touting this thing as phenomenal. It is exactly what I had 10 or 12 years ago. I mean verbatim, exactly what I had 10 or 12 years ago. And now they've sold it. They sold that thing and made millions and millions and millions of dollars because they sold it. Can I tell you today, don't ignore the low-hanging fruit. Because the kingdom of God is practical. Don't think your idea won't sell. I'm telling you today, this building would be paid for and we would be building something and owning 100 acres instead of 11 today in this house. Just on the tithe, I could have received on what that company sold that for. They sold a website, not a product. I'm telling you today. So I was doing something recently and, I, and I've thought about that. And every time I see this commercial come on the television, I tell my wife, could have been us. Could have been us. All I got to do right now, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you what this thing is once I get my patent. Once that's finalized. I'll tell you what it is. And I'm going to make a lot of money. And this ministry is going to make a lot of money. But I'm doing something. Yes. But I'm going to tell you why. I'm telling you this. And when I tell you when that time comes, when I tell you what it is, 
It's going to look in every way. There's no way. There's no way that that hasn't been thought of. It's, we've already researched done all that. There's nothing, nothing remotely close to this product. This is a product. It's going to cost me about $3 to make. I'm going to sell it for about 15 It's low-hanging fruit. And so often we miss what's right in front of us because we're looking up high in the tree. That thing is right there in front of us. But we missed it because we're looking up high in the tree. And it's just like Christ said to the disciples when they, and the people that were gathered when he was ascending into the heavens. He said, why do you stand gazing into the heavens? Don't you have a job to do? You're, what, you're looking for something. And you need to put, get your head down, get your eyes on what's right in front of you. Because I've produced purpose for you. On, it's the low-hanging fruit on the tree. Don't despise the low-hanging fruit because the kingdom of God is practical. Don't miss your moment. You hear me today. I said all that because I want to get to what I'm talking about today. When I talk about Adam and Christ, this word is not hard. This word is easy. And if you can receive the practicality of this word, the simpleness, the simplicity of the word that I'm releasing to you, I want to tell you it will change your position. It will not only change how you see yourself, it will change how others see you. If you can receive that this morning. So let me read out of Genesis chapter 26 again this morning. Genesis chapter 26, beginning with verse 12. I'm going to read it out of the New King James uh, Version. And then uh, um, I'll expound on it after that. And I'm, some of this is going to be, you will remember from last week. So just follow along. Then Isaac sowed in that land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. Everybody say, he sowed. He sowed. And then he reaped a hundredfold. And, and the Lord blessed him. And the man began to prosper, and he continued prospering. Until, everybody say until, until, he became very prosperous. I think the danger sometimes with us is that we prosper and then we're happy with that prospering and we don't keep going. There's no, we don't continue to move forward so very prosperous never comes. And I want to remind us this morning in the Hebrew before Jenny comes in just a moment, I want to remind us what these words mean. In the King James it says, and he became richer and richer until he became very wealthy. But those words do not mean what you think they mean, even though it says in Scripture that he owned flocks and herds and lands and, and all of that. In those days, just like in today's days, in the modern times, it's no different. Powerful people have more than people who aren't. Influential people have more, Nicholas, than those who don't. The more you have, the more influence you have. It is the nature of man. That is the case. If, if you have 100 acres of land and somebody was in a room and they said, I want to know, how do I get land? And there's two people in that room, one who has 100 acres and one who has 10,000 acres. Who do you think they're going to ask? The guy that has the influence. So the guy that has the power, the guy that has the knowledge. He had the knowledge to get to 10,000 more so or used it better than the guy that got to a hundred. And I say that for this. The focus isn't on the land. It's on the knowledge that he possessed to get there. 
And that is what's going on here. So when it says became richer and richer, there's a Hebrew word for that that I can't even pronounce, but it means to grow or to become great or important, to be promoted, to make powerful, to be praiseworthy, to be magnified, or to do great things. And let's focus on that part of that description, to do great things. So when he became richer and richer, he continued to do, say this with me, he continued to do great things. That's what he became richer and richer. Isaac continued to do great things. He didn't arrive at a place and say it's great enough. He continued to do great things until, everybody say until, he became very wealthy. And ironically, the Hebrew word for wealthy has the exact same definition as becoming richer and richer. And that is he did great things. So he did great things and continued to do great things until he did greater things. Greater things. He was important and, became, and continued to be important until he became more important. He was praiseworthy and continued to be praiseworthy until he became more praiseworthy. He had influence and continued to have influence until he had more influence. Do you get that this morning? How simple is that? It doesn't get more practical than that. In other words, he didn't give up. He didn't say, I've gotten to this place and all is well and I am done. I am done. But how many in this room, so many times over, you can think of, I wish I'd have done this and now you feel like it's too late. Don't raise your hand. Now you feel like it's too late. But you still think about it. Can I tell you something? If you're still thinking about it, it's not too late. Oh, but you don't know how old I am. Who cares? Who cares? Became richer and richer, grew and grew, became great or important, became great or important, became great or important, and he continued to become great and important because he continued to believe that he had something to become great and important about until he became very great and very important. That thing on the other side of until is always greater than what's in front of it. The danger is people on this side of until, too many times people on this side of until, people on this side of until look at this thing and they say, this is great enough. I'm just going to sit back and rest. And too many people start resting before the race even started. It hadn't even begun. Because they didn't realize what you have now looked at and seen as this is great was only your seed for what was greater. But now you're resting in the seed instead of resting in the abundance. You've accepted the seed as your all in all when you could have had the tree. With that, Jenny, come. So Jenny's going to come. And she's going to share something about this, Genesis 26, 12. You can put that diagram. It's on the, it's there somewhere. There it is. Oh, can you see that? She can point out and make that clear too. As she's, you can draw too if you want to. Good morning. Um, so I do this at the request of Steve. 
um, and I do this to honor him, and I bring this to honor you um, because I believe it's going to honor you because um, it's where you're headed and it's where you're going, and some of you are seeing it right now and some of you are about to see it. Um, but I'll go ahead and just read what's up here. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. And I believe this place is of until has been brought after um, Steve a while back, and he mentioned this last week, a while back, he began every week, um, and he read Kaylee's letter, he began every week saying, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. I believe every time he did that, it opened another well that had been filled with dirt. And I believe now we've come to the place where so many have been opened that we are being given the opportunity to govern those places and go into those places because they've been opened up, because they've been unburied, and it's going to produce an overflow. So if you look at the word prosper, I looked it up in Hebrew, um, and I did this for intercession on Wednesday. I did it because... Um, well, Holy Spirit told me to, but I did it also because um, I looked it up in Hebrew, not Greek, because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew originally. That's its original language. Um, so that's what I looked it up in. But prosper was spelled, and I didn't write the Hebrew word, the letters, but I just wrote the words, um, Lamid Shin Gimel Shin Gimel. And what those words, every Hebrew letter is a living letter. It has a meaning. It has a significance. There's a depth of knowledge and understanding that you can dive into that. But Lamid is a sun that rises above the baseline. That's how you begin to prosper. You begin to prosper. You begin to have access to those things by being a sun first of all, then you begin to rise and you rise above the baseline. What's awesome is today, Steve tells us about the low-hanging fruit, to set our eye on low-hanging fruit. Don't ignore it. Don't act like it's not there. Don't just try to go and rise above that because that's how Yahweh does. It's always opposite of what your natural mind will think. So he's telling us we're a sun that's rising above, yet we're looking at the low-hanging fruit because it's practical and it's going to cause a change in the earth. Um, then it goes into maturity. That sun, as it rises above the baseline, has to mature, mature, mature. As that maturity comes within you, as we begin to, looking at the low-hanging fruit, that's a new maturity. That is a mature sun. A mature sun looks at the low-hanging fruit. They don't ignore it and think, well, it's low, so it's not really good enough for me. They know it's good enough because it's going to propel them to the next place. So you have the mature son that is now maturing, and then he enters into a supply. Within that place is the supply. A supply is coming. That supply, then you're going to see the next place. I wish I would have wrote on there because I thought about it yesterday, but with each maturity, I wish I would have wrote. So if you're writing this in your notebooks or journals, write increasing maturity because everyone then from that first one, it goes increasing maturity, increasing supply, increasing increasing maturity, increasing supply, increasing maturity, increasing supply. That is the glory to glory to glory, is the increasing maturity and the increasing supply so that you have that standard. You become that standard. You become that one that is praiseworthy. You become that one that has influence. So as we begin to do that, I believe between prosper and prosperous, that's where until is. Until recognizes you because until is a bridge. 
until is a bridge from prosper to prosperous and you are a bridge you are a bridge so until recognizes you as you step across that bridge of until into prosperous all of a sudden the waters are opened prosperous in Hebrew begins with mem that is water that is open waters the waters are open I've seen it I've seen it it overflows it's so exponentially massive and huge and overflowing your mind cannot comprehend but that's not your focus your focus is that low-hanging fruit that he brought to us today okay and then again once you hit those waters now those waters are overflowing now you're giving out of your overflow as you confess now you go into an increasing maturity increasing supply increasing maturity increasing supply at the end of this word is tav it's the last letter in hebrew it's truth it's truth it's the end. The end is always truth. And you can't get to truth without being in truth. The truth. Tav is never entered into the end. You don't see the finish line and say, oh, okay, I think, I think I'll cross that finish line now. No, you make a choice at the beginning of your walk, at the beginning of your decisions, at the beginning of what you say, at the beginning of what you do, at the beginning of where you go, you make the choice to cross that finish line at the beginning. You step into that supply, you become that sun that rises above the baseline, and you step into that maturity, and you say, I don't quit. I don't quit. I'm going and I'm going and I'm going and I'm going until I am the one that has that influence, until I am the son that Yahweh looks at and says, I'm well pleased, until you're the one that governs those finances and it's abundance and supply in every area. It's not just finances, but it is finances. But it's in your home. It's in your relationships. It's with your husband. It's with your children. It's with your wife. It's with those you work with. It's with extended family. It's in your place of business, in your place of ownership, in your field, in your trade. It's abundance and supply in every area. You are prosperous. And I didn't know he was going to say that today. But let me tell you, it's not prosper me it's prosper us. It's prosper us. Prosper us. Prosper us. Prosper us. Prosper us. Prosper us. That's your confession. Prosper us. Prosper us. Don't sit in your room saying prosper me. You sit and say prosper us. Prosper us. And the last thing is the hundredfold. Oh, sorry. The last thing is that hundredfold. That hundredfold is the promise of the original intent. His original intent is to get you to that truth of prosper us, to get you to that truth, to that finish line of truth of what he called you to be, of where he called you to be. That's what, I, when you see a hundred, that is the promise of original intent. Original intent is home, welcome home. And that hundred, listen, I just want to say to you, when you spoke about the, 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 the stocks and the trades and the things that you lost this week, it's not a loss. Because I believe because of your responses and your re choices, I sat there and listened to you tell that story. You said 62,000. But 62,000 times 100 fold is 6.2 million. And it's, 
guaranteed. It's, it's initiated by your choice and by your response. It's initiated by our choice, by our response. It looks like a loss, but it's not a loss. There is no loss. There is no loss. He is always for you. There is no loss. There is no loss. The sun wins every time. There is no loss. There is none. It is a gain in every way, a hundredfold, one hundredfold. So I honor you, I bless you, and that's what I saw. Thank you. So greater and greater things leads to greater and greater things. Growing leads to growing. Faith leads to faith. Trust leads to trust. Unity, oneness, leads to more oneness. Doesn't mean if you've got 10 people that are one, it doesn't mean that necessarily that there's 12. It might still be 10 people, but it's a deeper oneness. Do you hear me? Jenny, well, well, well said. Well said. If you were to continue reading... Into, deeper into verse, uh, chapter 26, you would find that there are those that are in there as the story begins to unfold that are coming and trying to access the success or the wealth of Isaac and of his people. They're trying to access that. They're trying to lay claim to their successes, but they're not willing to put in the effort. I can tell you the other side of until... On this side of until, you can take what belongs to another man. And you will only get what the other man has. Some might be happy about that. You might be okay with that. But on the other side of until, you don't access what belongs to another. You have set yourself and worked yourself and done what you need to do to be faithful to possess your own prominence, your own influence, your own wealth. And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about wealth. I'm talking about your success, your praiseworthiness, your all of these things that, it mean, that the original translation meant. The original word wasn't just about money it was the influence. It was the power. It was the authority. It meant Isaac came to a place, the more he continued to do, he came to a place where at one time his voice was just another voice of a man until his voice became the voice of leadership, until the, it became the voice of God, until in that voice the people heard God's voice. They would hear him, and he began to lead. And you know what? That's not just for him. That's for you, and that is for me. Can you receive that today? So with that, with that, I want to move right into this. How the blind lead the blind, but it should be seers leading seers. The blind lead the blind, but it should be seers leading seers. Let me draw something for you that I shared Sunday, uh, Wednesday morning. So let me do this, and I want to show you how, what it looks like. First of all, as I said earlier, there's no such thing as the gospel of religion. Can everybody see? Let me move this where everybody can. There's no such thing as the gospel of religion. There's the gospel of the kingdom. 
And the gospel of the kingdom is practical. The gospel of religion is very difficult. You can't live by those rules. You can't do everything that religion requires you to do. You can't even teach your kids all that religion requires you to do. It's not even possible. But you can teach your kids. You can walk with your husband. You can walk with your wife when it comes to the gospel of the kingdom because it's so simple. I want to show you what, what religion looks like. Here's religion. Let's, let's say, for instance, if religion had a shape, let's say that it is shaped in a circle. Let's say this is religion. Let's just say it is in the shape of a circle. Let's say if the kingdom had a shape of God, it would be a square. So we got religion, and then we've got the kingdom of God. Or kingdom of, I'm just going to put Yah. And let's say, just for representation, that it looks like a square. Could be either way. But let's say this is a square, this is a circle, this is just for illustration. So what we have is, let me do it a little differently. Let me take this and move it over here. So religion is a circle, is a circle. What we have is, because religion is, I could have left the circle, because religion is a circle, because that's what it is, it is in this place where so much of the church, modern Christians, believers exist. They live in this circle because this is religion. But let's say the kingdom of God, again, is a square. And what's interesting about this is notice how the kingdom of God has some intersection points. There's points where, they, where it intersects, where the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, intersects with the gospel of religion. But there's also areas over here where there's no intersection. I should have done that in a different color. But there's areas over here where there is no intersection. Religion can't define it. Religion can't touch it. Religion can't see it. But within religion, what religion does, the gospel of religion, the best it can ever do, it will never become very prosperous. In fact, it could be argued that it will never be prosperous. It will never be wealthy. It will never be prominent. It will never have influence, at least righteous influence. I've never met anybody that was fully religious that I wanted to spend 10, 10 minutes with. Not 10 minutes. Because I don't, what they're saying, it annoys the Christ in me. Even though they believe it's coming from the Christ in them. And yet, I'm patient and I try to understand their place. But in the middle of that, I try to bring some practicality to it. I want to remind them, you're trying to pick fruit off the top of the tree and you've fallen off that ladder 10 times, don't even know you got a knot on your head. But there's fruit close enough to the ground where all you got to do is reach up and grab it. And suddenly you'll have revelation you, you've been looking for in the top of the tree but could only be found at the bottom. So what religion does is religion, because the nature of religion is it has to have its rules and it has to have its walls and it has to have its things that are fixed. There's no room 
for God to do anything amazing in it. This is what he did then, and this is the only way he's going to do it now. So religion builds these walls, and I'm just going to do it like a little crown on this thing right here. It's not what it is. So religion builds these things up, and then there comes a time when people, as they begin to walk through religion, they find that when they're going around this circle and they're walking through religion, the walls go up. Woo! Man, I got born. I'm born again. I got saved. Religion is life. I'm telling you what, I met Jesus. And then all of a sudden it falls down. They tear down. The wall is torn down. Then that, something happens. Something, they get a raise in their paycheck or their salary or they get something left to them or whatever happens. Something good happens. Woo! It's always related to the natural. Their rise and falls are always related to the natural. There's no faith necessary. Because their good day is going to be the day they paid their bills. Their bad day is going to be the day they couldn't. Their good days going to be the day that they got over sickness. Their bad days going to be the day they didn't. And it's rising and falling, and that's religion. Rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling, rising and falling. And it's just a circle that continues to suck the life out of those who are a part of it. But here's what happens. In the middle of all of this, though, there are some truths. Yes, Christ is the answer. Repent of your sins, get forgiven. When you rise on this day, ask God to forgive you. Salvation comes. That's a good thing. That's an intersection point. Yes, you do need faith. Yes, you do need Holy Spirit. Yes, and, and there's these few intersections. But the problem is, in religion, when you have religion like this here, you have a few intersecting points with what the kingdom is. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of Yahweh, is full truth. And religion is perceived truth. Per I before E except after C. Perceived truth. This is truth. That's perceived. This is what I think it should be. In the kingdom, this is what I know it should be. How do you get to the difference? Because... Man's rules, even though some in the middle of some of that, there are limited truths in the middle of that. The problem is there's no requirement for faith because everything's been decided for you in religion. Every choice you're going to make has been decided. And, if, and if, it, if the preacher doesn't know how to make the choice for you, he's going to refer you to some verse in the Bible. Which fortunately for everybody that's been living in the last... Uh, whatever, how many, what, since 600, 500, whatever it was, everybody before that, shame on them. There's no Bible for them to use. To do the best you can with what you got. They did better than those who do with Bibles because they trusted the truth. They had to trust Holy Spirit. So this is what happens. So this is the kingdom. There's always these rises and falls. But what about, in, I mean, the religion, what about the kingdom of God, these places that are out here that can only be explored by faith? requires faith to get out here you get off of that circle you it requires a faith to get to this place it requires a trust to get here are you following me so religion is perceived truth the kingdom of God is truth it is full truth and there's no over here it is you are trusting Holy Spirit in every way you are trusting Holy Spirit over here over here you are trusting man and what is what has already been written 
That's what you're trusting. You are dependent on what people can set before your eyes. Here, you are dependent on what the Father places in your spirit. And when you get to this place, it takes this circle, and this circle becomes absorbed inside the kingdom. And suddenly, religion isn't even a thing anymore. And you cannot be prosperous in this place. You can only come to very prosperous in this place because this is the very prosperous realm. All of this is until. You had this, which was law, which was our provision until the second Christ came, which was a redeeming, which redeemed the first Christ. He was the second, I mean, second Adam came and he redeemed the first Adam. So when he came, this was necessary until he came. But when he came, here's an until place. This is where we can walk in today. It's the kingdom and it's outside the circle. And we've got to be willing to get to that place where we are outside of the circle. Are you willing? So what we have is we have the blind leading the blind. So let me explain what I'm talking about there. Let's go to Mark chapter 8 verse 22 says this. And they came to Bethsaida and some people brought to him a blind man. And I read this last week by the way. So I'm reading it again. And they begged him Please touch the blind man. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, he laid hands on him and he asked him, what do you see? Do you see anything? And the man looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. <laughs> Yay, go team! He looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees that are walking. And Jesus then laid hands on his eyes again, and the man opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and then he saw everything clearly. Then he saw everything clearly. Everything about the kingdom of God requires faith, and in religion, there's no need for it. We've talked about this. I've taught this a thousand times. Everything, it, religion does not require faith. People will make up your mind and decisions for you every single time. Um, I, I just kept, I keep thinking about the perceived truth, and I feel like it's only based on conditional faith. So, like, if, if it works out, then your faith works. And I think that that's different. Great point. So, um, the kingdom of Yahweh and the truth is based on real faith. Yeah. True faith. Yeah. True faith. Well said. Well said. Well said. That's fluid. Man, we didn't have it might. But that's fluid. That, and I'm telling you, when you get from here to here by recognizing, by recognizing the until opportunity that is in front of you. And when you, we think about the until, everything that we do, we grow and we grow until we grow more. We Learn and we learn until we learn more. But until doesn't come where there's no persistence, where there's no continued pressing in. Until does not arrive when suddenly we sit in a place that requires no movement. Only the kingdom requires movement. Only the kingdom of God requires you and I to have movement, to have that faith to trust beyond where we are I'm telling you today everybody in this room do not 
Let yourself become imprisoned in a place that doesn't require you to get up in the morning and have faith for what's to come. If you don't have a dream right now to be past where you are, repent for stagnancy and let the Father impart that. Breathe again. Numa, the breath of God. Let him breathe that again into you so that you have vision again. Because you want to get to the other side of until. You want to get to that place where there's, and to get there, there's that requirement. I keep going, I keep going, and I love this because he said he came to Bethsaida and people brought to him a blind man and begged him, will you please touch him? What does that tell you, the fact that they begged him? What does it tell you? They'd asked him more than once. You don't beg unless you've asked once and there was no regard. You asked again, there was no regard. You asked again, there was no regard. You keep asking because you didn't get what you wanted the first time. That's what begging is. I'm going to keep asking until I get what I want. So they had come to Christ and had asked him over and over. Now, you got to wonder why. Why was it necessary for them to beg Christ to lay hands on this blind man. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Christ knew exactly where that blind man was. And he was waiting until there was something to work with. We got a blind man over here. Would you lay hands on him? Christ goes about doing his stuff. He didn't hear us. You got a blind man. We got a blind man over here. Will you come lay hands on him? Christ continued doing what Christ did. Filling up some of those books that the world can't contain. We got a blind man over here. Will you come lay hands on him? Filled up another book. And they begin to probably talk among themselves. He's not hearing us. He's not paying attention. He doesn't care about this man. You can't even imagine what they might have said. The, all the folks stuck in religion were like, this guy, he doesn't have any grace. He doesn't have compassion. He doesn't even care. I can't believe it. They've gone to him five times and asked him to heal that blind man. And he knows good and well he can heal that blind man, but he's not healing that blind man. He just doesn't care. He, he's not really Jesus. You got to know they were there. And they begged him, meaning over and over and over they had gone to him. There's a blind man over here where you come heal. And he just went about his business until. Okay, now. Now I have your attention. First time one of you came to me and said, will you heal the blind man? Second time two of you came and said, will you heal the blind man? Third time three of you came. Fourth time a group of you came and said, we are begging you. Will you come and lay hands on this blind man? I will now because I have your undivided attention. I will now because there's an expression of faith here right now that I can work with. But when the first guy came to me, he was looking for magic. When the second guy came, he was looking only because he was trying to find out, am I really the Christ? But when all of you came to me, you came to me because you know I'm the Christ and you know I can. Uh-oh. You hearing me? So then it says, and he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. He said, I got to get this dude away. I said this last week. He said, I got to get this guy away from all these people that are filled with religion. They have doctrine, but no truth. And doctrine and the truth are not the same. By the way, doctrine and religion are not the same because doctrine's not bad because doctrine is simply teaching. You just want to make sure it's the right kind of doctrine. It's the right kind of truth. It's the whole truth, nothing but the truth. <laughs> so help me God. 
So it says he led him out of the village because he had to get them because he knew there was a lot of doctrine, there was a lot of religion that was in that village. And I can't do anything with this guy in this place. That's why I was ignoring those folks. I was waiting until they got mad at me. See, most of them probably got offended at him and left. Said, he's not going to heal that guy. Let's just go home. Let's go get our unleavened bread and eat something other than a pig. Or shrimp. Let's just leave. Let's go. I'm mad. We've been asking him. This is our friend, this blind guy. He doesn't care. Let's get out of here. And he had to get enough people out of there so he, had some, he could work with it. And he says, I'm going to take this guy. Now I'm going to take this guy and the remaining religious rascals that are still here. I'm going to take this guy out of here. And I'm going to lead him out of that village. And I'm going to get him away from this lack of faith. And I'm going to get him into this place because there's no chance he's going to prosper here. You need to hear what I'm telling you right now. You are not going to prosper in religion. You are not going to prosper in religion. You are not going to prosper in religion. You are not going to prosper in a place that doesn't require you to say, what did he just say? You are not going to prosper in a place that says, I can't do this. You prosper when you have an I can, not an I can't. I will, not an I won't. I am, not an I'm not. So he led them out of there and he got him over to a place where he could talk to him and he laid hands, he spit on his eyes, he laid hands on him and he said, do you see anything? And the guy said, I see people but they look like trees. He said, because that's what you're looking for. You listen to so much lack of faith, you heard so many people telling you you couldn't be healed. You heard all the naysayers. So the best you can do is you can see trees. He said, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to lay hands on you again, I'm going to lay hands on you until... Because there's enough faith in you that I can work with it. I'm going to lay hands on you until you see what I see. He looked up and he said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And Jesus then laid hands on his eyes again. And the man opened his eyes and his his sight was restored. And he saw suddenly everything clearly. Because Christ took him on a journey from here to here. He got him out of this. And I'm going to tell you today, there's a place on the other side of until. You can stay on this side of until where, you, where you're doing well, where everything is good, and you, you read all the right things every day, you pray all the right prayers every day, and you do it, and you've got a timer set, and your alarm goes off when you're supposed to do one thing or the other, and it's so religious to you. Listen, I'm going to tell you, when it's life, you don't need an alarm clock. You don't need a reminder. Read your Bible today at 3 o'clock. Make sure and pray sometime before you. I need to set my clock, my reminder to remind me to do that. That's here. That's this side of until. If you keep trusting and have faith, you grow and you grow and you put yourself in a place where you can grow and grow and grow. See, what you, you got to make sure that when you're growing, when you're in a place of growing, you're focusing on the growing, not the offending. Not what you don't understand. Man, I keep hearing this and I'm just getting more and more and more offended. You're going to keep being more and more and more offended. But man, I'm in this place, and man, I'm offended to truth. And then Adam, stop seeing Adam and start seeing Christ. You hear me this morning? So when we think about all of these things, and we think about put all this together... 
There's another side of until, that prosperous place, place of prominence, place with a voice. Listen, I don't need one more religious person to tell me what some Bible scripture says, and neither do you. You've heard every single one of them, and preachers are going to get up every week and tell you basically the same 50 scriptures, and they're going to tell it with a different twist every single week, and they're going to say it over, and they're going to just add a different twist to it, a different twist to it. What happens when one gets up and says, I'm not even using a scripture today? Doesn't make scripture invalid. Just means today I have something I want to tell you that's going to change your life, and you can search scripture, and you'll find what I'm telling you in it, but there's no single scripture that's going to define it perfectly. I said about somebody one time that's still part of this church 20 years ago when they came in the doors the first time, first time they came up to me after service and she said to me she said I was so offended today it's my first day in this church and you preached your entire message and you didn't read a Bible verse until you got to the very end and she said it's a good thing you did because I wasn't coming back <laughs> and I said to her I said come back next week I'm not reading anything <laughs> and I did my very best to offend her so she wouldn't come back because in my mind, I'm thinking, you're not the one that I can move through the kingdom with. Only to find out she was. And you know what she did? She came back the next week. She brought her children. She's been with us for 20 years. And she'll tell you today, nobody trusts me more than she does. She'll tell you that today. And she has been radically transformed, just like I have. Just like those of us who have an ear to hear and an eye to see that are willing to go to the other side of until. Yeah. Our story, yeah. listen, yeah. our story, ours together, yeah. hasn't been completed yet. Yeah. It is still being written. Do you want your story to have six books that are exactly the same? When you watch a Hallmark movie, they're all the same with different actors. But it's wonderful. But there's more. And our story, Seth, has not been completed yet. And there's not another book on the shelves with our story. We're writing it different. Not because we're casting off everything that was before us. We have learned from that. Can we admit, can we receive and accept what I've learned is good, but there is more. This is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. So accept who you are. You are not meant to be just prosperous. Don't settle into that just prosperous place. Man, I've been in this for a long time. I have full peace in this place where I'm. No. You keep growing. You keep believing. You keep doing and doing and doing until you're doing more. Keep believing and believing and believing until you can believe for more. Because today, there's probably people under the sound of my voice that wouldn't have the faith to heal whatever. But if you keep believing and believing and believing, the day will come. Your faith will be the faith that will bring healing to the man or woman beside you. Do you hear me? Today... You don't have the words to speak because you're learning and you're growing. But if you say, this is good, what happens on the day when someone needs your voice to be the voice of instruction and peace in their life? 
I said to some people last Sunday, I looked them in the face, some people that I had every reason to not do it. I had forgiven these people from this pulpit, but I had never forgiven them to their face. And I went to them last Sunday where they meet. And I sat down with them and I looked them right in the face and I said, I forgive you. I forgive you. What will that produce? I don't know what it will produce in them, but I know what it will do for you and me. It gives us the influence, the prominence, the authority to cross that until bridge. Do you hear me today? If all I see, I said this last week, if all I see in, is Adam and others, that's all I'll get. But when I see Christ, I might just get Christ. And I said this, and I'm saying it again. I cannot expect someone to see Christ in me if all I see is Adam in them. And sometimes that requires a level of faith that we have to exercise. Do you hear me today? Amen? Stand with me if you would, please. Father, I am so thankful for this house, for this people, for what you're leading us to, for what you're teaching us, for what you're showing us. Let our eyes see and our ears hear the whole story. Not pieces, not just moments, but the whole story. And as you share and speak to us, help us to receive. I'm not attacking, we are not attacking those things that have any life in them. But I am declaring today that we are pressing into the full truth. And the things that get touched by that, let it be. If we're holding on to anything that keeps us on the wrong side of until, help us today. Because there are opportunities dreams hopes in this room right now that will set this people apart and when one is set apart we are all set apart I said to the team before we came out here this morning we rise together and we fall together and on those fallen times we grab each other by the arm and we lift each other back up. In those times that we rise, we hold on to one another and make sure that we don't get ahead of God. Do you hear me today? You have opportunity. What do you do with it? Honor, Nicholas, the Father's faith in you. Honor, Shelby. Yahweh's faith in you. Honor, Quincy. The Father's faith in you, young man. 
honor that by believing past where you are, knowing that on the other side of until, it's even greater than where you are now. And here's the cool thing, and I'm going to finish with this. Here's the cool thing. That until place on the other side, it keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. The danger is getting stuck over here when long before we should have made the transition over here. But we get stuck because we get comfortable. We get stuck because things are provided for us instead of the Father's intention for you and me to press in. Let me just make it easy. Let's not get lazy. Press in. Amen? I bless you. I love you.